new on Curiosity Stream. With my infrared drone, I can see what others can't. Drone pilot Doug Thrawn uses his bird's eye view for the ultimate good, saving animals from desperate situations around the globe. Join the rescue effort on a new season of Doug to the Rescue. And you captured a Confederate steamboat. We're taking the ship to freedom. An enslaved crew, a stolen vessel, and a Civil War dash to salvation on impossible escapes. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Bradford Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. Making his first appearance on the Bradford Show podcast, but I, I suspect will be many, 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 many appearances as Gary DeSarcina, new bench coach for the Boston Red Sox, and one of the finest Lowell Spinners manager ever. And I wouldn't say, Gary, I say you're the best, but honestly, I, I love a lot of those guys who <laughs> went through there. I love John Diebel and Alice a and all those guys. So anyway, welcome. Thanks, and uh, actually, this is my first time ever being on a podcast as well. I've never listened to one, never been on one, didn't really know what one was, so I'm excited to be here, and I'm breaking the seal with you, Rob. Yeah, so usually we're sitting in beanbag chairs with lava lamps around us all the time. Uh, I want to get into a topic a little bit about, which I wrote about around the MVP com- uh, time, which is about Mookie and Mike Trout, and everyone said, oh my goodness, don't you ever compare Mookie best to Mike Trout. Before I do that, I want—I am curious. I've known you for a while. You obviously were with the Paw Sox as well. Have some history with the Red Sox. Can you take me through sort of the behind the scenes, how this came about with with the whole bench coaching job? I think the uh, the groundwork was probably laid probably two years ago when uh, Tory was up for the Minnesota job and he was a finalist. And um, I think those, you know, knowing John and knowing the, you know, in the organization here and, and having ties back here, I always thought in my mind that, you know, if Tory left or if Brian left or somebody left, that, that I'd come, be asked to come back. So when it all went down, you know, it was unexpected for me. It was all because Mike Hazen left to go to Arizona, which in turn started the uh, dominoes to fall. Uh, and I, I think um, I flash back to my relationship with John as the Pawtucket, man, Pawtucket manager. The year we won the World Series, John Torrey, that staff, uh, made me feel part of their staff, even though I wasn't there on a daily basis, with the, whether it was through phone calls, emails, checking in on Xander Bogarts, um, Iglesias, and on and on with players. So I had a really good working relationship with, with uh, Torrey and John. So I think when Torrey landed the job and 
in Arizona. I think one of John's probably natural thought processes was going back to 2013 and, and knowing the type of job and the work that I did. It's one thing to be friends with somebody, but you know, you're not hiring friends just to hire friends. And I wouldn't want the job just to be you know, on the staff and be a friend with somebody. You want to be good at what you can do and you want to be confident and have the ability to go out there and do the job. And I think, I think that just resonated with John. Um, and when he asked me to come in to interview and we started talking, I just think we connected. You know, I come from the position player world and he comes from the pitcher world as well as the, you know, the farm, farm, you know, he's a farm director in his background there. And I, I just think with the way that my player development, I mean, as my development went as a staff member and dealing with player development, I just think we connected and I think we hit it off. And uh, I know the system a little bit. Some things have changed, some things haven't. But the, the nuts and bolts of the system's there. And uh, it's pretty seamless coming back, recultivating some of these relationships with the players and staff as well. So it just kind of fell down like that. Like as soon as Mike Hazen left, it all started happening. How long, how long was the interview for? We talked on the phone for uh, probably one minute. He asked me if, if I was interested because they were going to ask the Angels for permission. I said, uh, yeah, go ahead. We had about a two-hour phone call. He asked me to come in on a Wednesday. We sat down in his office for about three and a half, four hours. We went out to lunch for about another hour. And then he, he said he'd be in touch real soon. So, you know, roughly probably about five or six total hours. I asked Billy Epler at the GM meetings. I said, "Hey, have the Red Sox asked for anybody permission for permission from from you guys to talk to any of your coaches?" And I, if I wish I could take a picture of Billy Epler, the general manager of the Angels, face and believe me, it was not hard to piece that together. So, yeah, I think it all happened during those meetings because Dave, I had not met Dave yet or spoke to Dave. I think he came back on a Friday, and I had a 45-minute hour conversation with him as well. And uh, it would all went down real quick, but right around that time, the GM meetings. When those things happen, you just when you're on when you're on my end, you just you don't want to jinx anything. You know, you just want to keep quiet and just hopefully you don't want to tell your parents, you don't tell anybody. You just want to you know cross your fingers and hope things work out for you. And you get that one more phone call that's a positive one. Well, so the bench coach dynamic, which is kind of always weird to me, because it, they never when you came up, there was there wasn't bench coaches, right? Not when I first came up. And then we had some changes in the mid-90s, and Joe Madden became our – he was our first base coach, and then he went to the bench coach because Joe had just started talking about uh, the sabermetric thing. You know, he introduced the computer. It went from being – our daily schedule went from being uh, handwritten to being on Excel. And, you know what I mean? He just took it to another level. So when I, when I took this job and I, st and I talked to John and started talking about – obviously you start talking about your influences in your life as a player, who helped you good or bad like who would you emulate good or bad or avoid what you know someone did something you didn't like you avoid doing that but Joe was I kept going back to Joe and how he treated me and he treated our players and he was the guy that you could go to and talk to about anything not just baseball if you had a family issue you want to talk about dinner wine travel and you need that and a lot as you well know you, you know you've been on the beat you're there 162 games you're in spring training you, these guys need an outlet other than baseball, and that was Joe Madden for me. And sitting down and talking to him about where to play, guys. I asked him one day if he could put the visiting lineup in my locker every day, and he not only put the visiting locker, uh, the visiting lineup in my locker, but he put his own like copies of his spray charts and stuff like that. And it was my introduction to what we call sabermetrics now. And so, the bench coach, you know, I just look at a quality bench coach as someone who allows the manager to manage. 
to deal with the media, to deal with the uh, front office, to talk, you know, to the press and the and the medical side of things. It gets so much going on, you know, especially in this town, in the city. John's pulled in so many different directions. I think bench coach is there for the players to put out brush fires before they happen, you know, so they don't get to John and it doesn't become a problem. Uh, take care of the scheduling and the minutiae of the, da- of the daily grind that he doesn't have to deal with. It's a, and flip it on the player's side, like I was talking about, so the players feel comfortable talking to you, whether it's on a plane ride, whether it's on a bus, whether it's shagging, whether they just walk in the office and say, hey, man, can I have a minute to talk to you? You know, Whether it's about playing time, uh, where do I stand, all that stuff. So, And I said that to John when I first sat down. I said, uh, it's hard to interview for a bench coach job. It is, because as a third base coach, you can talk about your sign system, when to send runners, when not to send runners, or you're the infield guy, you can talk about fundamentals, but the bench coach is a lot of juggling and a lot of uh, communication and listening. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I know it's a challenge, and I know Tori did a great job here. Uh, you know, I got to witness him in spring training in 2013 and how he did it. So uh, looking to just kind of not fall back a step from, from Tori. Well, so... For the people who don't understand, and you're educating everyone on the bench coach, for, for the people who don't understand, this is what happens during the season. When the manager makes a move that you say that on talk radio, like, how in the world could they make the move? Ultimately, someone will say, where was the bench coach? Well, how could the bench coach tell them that was a, that was a stupid move? Tell, so uh, how does that dynamic work? Well, if it's a bad move, you'll find me in the bathroom. If it's a good move, I'll be right next to John. Uh, the, I was thinking about this, too. Uh, I mean, obviously, after last night and seeing the reaction of the crowd and, and how passionate people are here, those decisions and those moves aren't made that at that moment. They're, they're talked about four hours before, five hours before, two days before when we do our, our prep meetings when the, for a new series. These aren't, you know, snap spur of the moment decisions. You know, obviously you adjust, John adjusts as he goes in a game. And I think a good bench coach is, is thinking two, two, three innings ahead of him and, and trying to line up because he might be worrying about something else. He might be, there's so much going on in the dugout. It looks boring, but and it looks like, what are these guys doing? But I don't think you understand. Terry Francona had 20 wads of gum slash tobacco in front of him in the World Series. There's, something must be going on there. There's a lot of uh, it's you know, it's not just the bench coach as well you know when it comes into a seventh eighth ninth inning I mean who knows our hitters better than Chile and Victor they're with them every day they're with them in the cage and so I think a good bench coach will go over to the hitting coach and say hey what do you think about this situation coming up and talking to John about maybe pinch hitting this guy for, you know match it up against this guy John has all those matchups with him he's got his he's got his system. But like I said, when you get in the dugout, it starts spinning, just like as a player, and especially when you see these young players come up, the game spins fast on them. Same, things, same thing happens in a dugout. And so for those decisions that you're talking about that people on talk radio and people at home watching on Ness, and, you know, when they see it, uh, they're like, how could he do that? I mean, what, what's he thinking? But it's been thought about, talked about, not just by him and me or him and Tori, but by Carl and it, it's not a snap decision. As long as you have a good explanation, that's my thing, is that if you have an explanation, I can disagree with it, but just have an explanation. And usually usually it does. And and you're going to help to have that explanation. So congratulations on being being a, a, a top of a top rate talk radio now. I mean, that's, that's another thing. You grew up, you know, you 
you grew up. You, I don't know if WEI was around. W, you're very familiar with this oh, yeah. dynamic. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I worked for, don't forget, I worked for Nesson for two years. It was like nine years ago. Tom Karen broke me in nicely the first year, and then I ran away from him after the second year. He scared me <laughs> off the set. So I, I understand. I was one of the guys. I was one of those. Ever I, call into talk radio? I've never called in, but I remember uh, in the mid-'80s when Roger Clemens held out a spring training. I was in college. My roommate was a Mets fan, ended up, you know, the World Series in 86. Uh, 86. But I remember being in the, in the bleachers in, in whatever year that was, screaming and yelling at him. His first time going out, he was warming up to go out. It was May, and he had held out. And I'm the guy that's yelling at Roger Clemens. So the passion here is it's boiling all year long. Obviously, it comes to the forefront during the season. In the off season, it's always bubbling right under the surface. You know, when you make a sale trade or, or someone takes a picture of Pablo and posts it, you know, it always resurfaces. You know, in the off season, you get the Patriots, the Celtics, the Bruins. But it's a passion. It's a daily passion. And I... I really think if you embrace it as a new coach, new staff member, new player, if you embrace it, don't take it personal. You know, the talk radio, the, the fans yelling at you, whether you have one year in the big leagues, 15 years in the big leagues, the, how I got through it was, you know, a third of the people are going to like you, a third of the people are going to hate you, and a third of the people don't even care who you are. So why waste time trying to deal with that? Control what you can control. The media has a job to do. Be accessible. Be accountable. And don't take it personal. In fairness, the people in Anaheim did get very passionate when it rained, and the helicopter came to drive the field. Yes, that you know, can't have a rain out in Anaheim. I think in 25 years, I only remember two. Yeah, and I was fortunate to be one a part of one of them. Uh, so along those lines, you had the obviously it was a unique experience with the Angels, but one of the parts of that unique experience is getting a chance to see the player everyone thinks is the best player in baseball, Mike Trout. Play by the way. So I said this before I get to the Mike Trout Mookie Betts conversation. Bo Jackson said the other day that he wished he never played football. I only played baseball. And I was trying to explain to people. I I think that Bo Jackson, as a baseball player, I'm not saying that he could he would have the same career as Mike Trout. Maybe I don't know, but that's the guy. They sort of they they you look at those two guys and they look sort of the same when they run. Is that accurate? Oh yeah, I played with Bo for his last year. He's with the with Anaheim in '94, I believe, and uh, same body frame, same body type. But I like, uh, I would combine, I'd put Ken Griffey Jr. If you could morph Bo and Ken Griffey Jr., then you have Mike Trout. Uh, you know, seeing Bo at the at post-hip surgery and near the end of his career where he wasn't using his speed as well. Um, but seeing Bo with his shirt off and with Mike with his shirt off, it's, they're, they're men. They're grown men. Mike may act like a high school kid, but he's a grown man. Well, okay, so... Once again, the whole Mike Trout, Mookie Betts conversation, the MVP conversation cropped up, and it was really close this year. But now the conversation about their careers isn't close because Trout's done it for a few years and Mookie just started. But could you ever see where that becomes something where you're talking about this debate about these two players? I know that you haven't seen Mookie a ton, but you're familiar with him being in the organization. Different types of players to a certain degree. But everyone just says, you, no one's ever going to approach Mike Trout. What's your take on that? I would never put limitations on anyone like that. I mean, Mike, when Mike uh, was in double-A as a special assistant, I went down and watched him play in double-A. And, you know, he wasn't, he was a good player. Having a conversation with him in the dugout one day, I asked him, I said, Mike, do you want to be a major leaguer or do you want to be an impact player? And he didn't hesitate and he said, impact player. 
and that was a uh, that told me a lot about his mindset. And when he get he got to the big leagues, he didn't he didn't have immediate success. He struggled for his you know his first uh, two months of coming up as, as a call up. Um, I think he just let those two guys be themselves. Let them be who they are. You know, Mike's track right now is is just ridiculous. It's unbelievable. You know, but he could still get better. And these are the conversations he he knows he can get better on the base paths. Works he works real hard in center field and get better in the outfield. So I think with Mike, you haven't seen the best of Mike yet. Like he hasn't really put it together yet. He hasn't really. And you'll hear. I know you've been around a long time. Like guys don't really figure out how to hit until they're 28, 29, 30 years later in their career. Mike is just still. He's got that. That's, like, that's nuts. And Mookie, not seeing him in the minor leagues, and seeing Mike in the minor leagues, I can't. It's tough to compare him there. But seeing Mike and what he did, uh, Mookie and what he did to the Angels last year, and the first thing that stood out was how he walked to the batter's box. I mean, he walked to the batter's box confident and obviously having a good year and ready to do damage. And he he, he hurt us with a couple balls off the wall in Fenway. Uh, changed the game in Anaheim. We had a uh, Houston Street ninth inning. I thought that was one of the days that the Red Sox really turned the corner. They went up to Seattle and then came back down to L.A., but they beat us. I think we were up 3-1 to one in the ninth on a day game, and Mookie, and Mookie was in the middle of it, and I think that's Mike. Whether you intentionally walk him, he gets on first. You know, Mike had 30 bags last year, but he had third quality. When we needed one, he'd get a bag, and I see Mookie doing the same thing, not just running around out there recklessly just trying to pad his stats but I would never I don't they're different body types like even looking at Mookie Mookie does, is not the, doesn't have the height doesn't have the thickness coaching third base the best way I could describe Mike Trout is when he runs by you you hear him he, you really do you hear him you hear him you know his cleats coming around you hear him like ripping up the grass as he goes by you he's like a freight train when he comes around and I'm sure, I haven't coached third for Mookie, but I'm sure he just glides by. You know, different body type, different gait, the way they run. Um, and I made, you know, anytime Mike was on first or second, I always made sure I was off the line a little bit. Because if he ever hit you, run into you, you're, I mean, you're in the hospital. So different body types. Don't put limitations on them. Let them be themselves. Let them go out and be who they are. Um, I love the comparisons because... Uh, we try to do it with Mike sitting as a staff with the Angels. Like, who does he remind you of? Like, it's like guys who go back to Mickey Mantle. And I met Mickey Mantle, but never saw him play. And same body frame a little bit. Mickey was a little bit older, wasn't as firm and, and, and strong. But like his frame. The day I met Mickey, I was like, oh man, he's built like a square, you know. And that's how Mike is. And Bo is the same way, body type. But like I said, if you could morph those two, Griffey Jr. and, and Bo, I think you'd have a Mike Trout. Well, when you uh, coach, if you want to coach third base for the media game, you will also hear me coming around third base. But I imagine it's a little bit different noise. But Gary, thanks so much for joining, and, and we are uh, very excited. We've known you for a little long time, and uh, and so just enjoy yourself before you have to actually run spring training. Yeah. Oh, uh, trust me. I know when the bell rings, you're gonna. I'll be like disappearing in a hole for what? What is it? Six weeks. Yeah. See yeah. you later. All right. Thanks, Gary. New on Curiosity Stream. From time to time, we have collisions between asteroids and the Earth. We track them, we study them, we hope the big one never comes. Don't look up, it's Asteroid Rush. And alligators. They rarely get sick, they even outlasted the dinosaurs. Could they hold the secret to human longevity? Their blood could have antibacterial applications. Wade into the investigation on immortal alligators. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. 
Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand-new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. The difference between an agent and a Realtor is real. Realtors have the expertise to find exactly what you need and the ethics to do the right thing, even when it's the harder thing. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. That's who we are. 